Greetings in Jesus' name this morning. It's a blessing to be here. Blessing to worship with you, bring greetings from Harmony Christian Fellowship. And uh, yes, count it a privilege to be here and share with you this morning. I was blessed with what we have heard so far, some of the things, some of the thoughts I heard this morning I think would have been sufficient to chew on for a while. But nevertheless, I do have a message that I would like to bring this morning. I invite you to turn with me to Proverbs chapter 13. Proverbs chapter 13. And this morning I would like to center this message around verse 20. Proverbs 13:20. It says, "He that walketh with wise men shall be wise, but a companion of fools shall be destroyed." My title is Friendship, a Blessing or a Curse. Friendship, a Blessing or a Curse. And my goal is to inspire healthy friendships this morning. Okay? To explore the blessings of good friends and the curses or the damage that wrong company, bad friends, uh, what that causes. Just just learn just how important that is. And with that, learn how to be a good friend, how to have good friends. Now this may be especially valuable for youth. And so I'm glad there's young people, children, and older young people here this morning. But it is for all of us. Not only does it apply to us older ones the same way it does to the younger ones, it it does apply the same way. Um, It should also give us, as parents, um, concern about who the friends of our children are, who they like to spend time with. And it should give us a desire to help them in the area of friendships. <clears throat> Proverbs 28.7 says, Whoso keepeth the law is a wise son, but he that is a companion of righteous men shameth his father. I don't think any of us want that shame, and so therefore we should be concerned about the choices that our children make in this area. <clears throat> We all need friends. We all need to have people in our lives that we share mutual love and affection with. I don't know if that's the best way to say it or not. But people that we have close relationship with. That we have heart-to-heart communication. We feel the need to be accepted and loved. And we also have a need, whether we know it or not, to show appreciation, acceptance, and love to other people. We also have that need as well. Show care to others. 
Ecclesiastes says two are better than one because they have a good reward for their labor. For if they fall, the one will lift up his fellow. But woe to him that is alone when he falleth, for he hath not another to help him up. There is a reward and a satisfaction that comes by doing life with a true friend. Something that as much as we maybe do explain it at times, it's also hard to explain. The effect that friends have on each other and the positive effect that can it be that it can be. <clears throat> We all have times of failure. We all make mistakes. And true friends in such a time help us back up. They help us face reality. They help us to pull ourselves back together, face who we are, and keep on going in love. Proverbs 17:17, A friend loveth at all times, and a brother is born for adversity. Those hard times, those difficult times, that's when true friends are very important to us. Now, as followers of Jesus, as Christians, as ones who pattern our life after Jesus Christ, are we not to be friends with everyone as Christ was? Jesus was friendly to everyone. Yes, he was. And we are called to be generous, to be friendly, to return good for evil, and to be friends with all those. But even Jesus himself had closer friends. I think of Mary, Martha, and their brother Lazarus when Jesus would travel through the town of Bethany. He stopped at their house, spent time there. People like Mary Magdalene, Joseph of Arimathea. Those were all friends, people that were of acquaintance to Jesus. There are others that that are mentioned. And then I think of an even closer group of friends, the 12 disciples that Jesus chose and spent a lot of time with. Spent a lot of time with them. And then, even out of those twelve disciples, it seems that there was a an even tighter group there. Peter, James, and John seemed to be especially close to Jesus. They were with him alone on special, several special occasions, including the Mountain of Transfiguration. And then. The Gospel of John would seem to suggest that John was maybe even especially close, the disciple that Jesus loved. Now, that doesn't mean Jesus was cliquish. We'll talk about that later. The point I want to make here is that today we're not talking about just broad, casual relationships. Just people we meet on a day-to-day basis. That's not what we're talking about. Rather, I'm talking about the people that you have closer connection with. 
the people that you enjoy being around. The people that you want to spend time with. And really, these are the people, whether you know it or not, that give you a sense of belonging. Together, friends are powerful. There's a strong influence in a group of friends that just makes things happen. If we think about that for a little bit, there's there's an influence that in a group of friends, yeah, it has an effect on each other that just makes things happen, and the things that a group of friends groups of, a group of friends chooses to do together is often something that none of them as individuals would have chosen to do. It often happens, not always, but very often that is the case, good or bad. <clears throat> I would like to read this proverb once again. And I'd like to read it out loud together if you still have your Bibles open there. Proverbs 13, verse 20. Read it out loud with me. It says, He that walketh with wise men shall be wise, but a companion of fools shall be destroyed. You are already or you are becoming what your friends are. Just think, have you ever done something wrong? that you probably wouldn't have done without the influence of a friend or friends. I think if we're all honest, we would have to say, yes, that has happened, even if you can't think of a specific instance. On the flip side, you can probably think of things that that you have done that are good the positive impact of a, of a friend or group of friends on your life. You know, it's probably safe to assume that there are people sitting in jail today because they were in the wrong crowd. And we say, well, of course. But even more than that, I would suggest that it's even possible that there are some people, some criminals, some convicted criminals, that aren't even personally guilty for what they're charged for. I suppose many of them are, but it's possible that some may not be personally guilty. The problem is they were in the wrong crowd. They were there when that crime happened. And, you know, we cannot blame the law enforcement. We cannot blame the justice system for not for having some oversights there. Because being in the wrong crowd is wrong. On the flip side, many of us, or probably all of us, are here today and we are enjoying blessings because of the influence of good friends. We've had people in our lives that were wise. And their example caused us to think seriously about life, to make decisions that were wise, to help us 
stay on the right track. They cared about us enough to let us know when we were wrong. I'd like to think about this verse a little bit more here and look at two words. I looked at a number of these words from this verse from Proverbs 13:20. He that walketh with wise men shall be wise, but a companion of fools shall be destroyed. I looked at those words in the Hebrew and most of the words, um, the Hebrew words, the English word chosen was probably as good of a, it was a very parallel meaning. We get get the meaning very well in the English. But there was two words that I couldn't quite say that about. I found it very interesting the what uh, just what it meant in that language. Those words are the word companion and the word destroyed. The word companion, as it is used here, is the Hebrew word rawal. And it means to tend a flock, to graze, to pasture, the idea of shepherding, and to associate with as a friend. Genesis 4.2, the first time this word is used, says, Abel was a keeper of sheep. It's the same word. Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd. It's the same word. Over a hundred times, close to 150 times, I think, you could go through the Old Testament and find that word being used as feed, shepherd, feeding the flock, and so on. Proverbs 10.21 says, the lips of the righteous Feed many, but fools die for want of wisdom. The word feed is the same word. Proverbs fifteen fourteen: The heart of him that hath understanding seeketh knowledge, but the mouth of fools feedeth on foolishness. The word feedeth is the same word as our word companion in Proverbs thirteen twenty. Now, I think that's very significant. And while the word companion was probably a good choice, as good of a choice as could have been selected for this verse, the idea of shepherding, the idea of feeding, attached to this brings added meaning. Because friends feed each other. You know, boys, while we are working, playing together, we feed each other. It happens, right? When we discuss things like our job or hunting vehicles, and I'm not just giving those things as bad things or as negative. I'm just simply saying when we discuss the things we do in life, the things we enjoy, whatever it is, we're feeding each other. Girls, this one's a little harder for me, but maybe when you show off, or maybe show off's not the word, but maybe when you show your friend your latest dress, or maybe this one's closer, 
when you're sharing hearts with a close friend and you take hours and talk about things that you wouldn't tell anyone else. You're feeding each other. That is how we become like our friends. Because our friends become our shepherd. And they feed and lead us. Destroyed, as it is used here. Ruah, if I'm saying it right, is the Hebrew word. It means to mar, especially by breaking. Or to split the ears of a sound. A shout. And you can find it translated that way through the Old Testament as shout or a loud shout or a cry. In Psalms we find joyful noise. But other than in Psalms, most of the time it's a shout, it's a loud cry. And most times in relation to war. Jericho, the children of Israel had walked around Jericho as God had commanded them. And then it says in Joshua chapter 6 verse 20, So the people shouted when the priests blew with the trumpets, and it came to pass when the people heard the sound of the trumpet, and the people shouted with a great shout, that's this word, that the wall fell down flat. Gideon defeating the Midianites. At Jericho, it was a shout of triumph. But Gideon defeating the Midianites, it says in Judges 7.21, And they stood every man in his place round about the camp. And all the hosts, being the Midianites, all the hosts ran and cried and fled. There it was a cry of defeat, a cry of confusion. And so I get a twofold picture of this word destroyed, the companion of fools and the destroying that happens here. You know, I picture the companion of fools kind of like we saw in the children's lesson this morning. The companion of fools having fun with his friends until something happens. Something happens. Something bad happens. And it shakes them up. But unfortunately, when something bad happens that shakes up the company of fools, it's usually too late. The damage has already been done. And then is where I see the second cry. I picture the companion of fools at that point crying out in distress. How did I get here? How did this happen to me? And the answer is, you were in the wrong crowd. You were hanging out with the wrong people. That's how it happened. Now, some of the illustrations and, and the, the Bible story that we're going to get to in just a minute, and some of these things I'm saying are kind of extreme. Okay, Talking about criminals and and really bad company, company that I, I would trust that none of us get close to. But I want us to 
bring it to our situations. I want to. I want us to um, to bring this lesson home for us, and honestly look at where we are. Where are our friendships taking us? And to help us do that, I'll just share a little story uh, from my own life. It was, I believe I was um, 17, 18, somewhere in there, 16, 17, 18. And it was at Effort of Bible School. I think this was before the days that John was principal. I think that came later. I think Dean was principal then. Brother Dean Stump. But I was not a student, but I intend, attended an evening, an evening service there. And that evening as I was leaving the building there on those... Uh, large, uh, the, uh, the great stairways there that lead up to the building. I was beginning to come down those steps, and I met a friend. This was a friend that I had known, uh, I think, probably as long as I can remember. I had spent a lot of time with. But he seemed to he seemed to struggle a bit in life to to really know where he was going. I'll just say it that way. And I knew that and yet we were still we were still casual friends. And I remember we met each other and we greeted rather casually, rather very casually, a very casual greeting. And he introduced me to another friend that I could tell right away was uh, very similar. Birds of a feather flock together. And so he introduced me to this friend, and there was some lighthearted talk that went on, and I, and I interacted. I participated. And then... Towards the end of the conversation, there was even something, it went so far that there was even something uh, that was not right said about a young lady. And I do not remember exactly what my response was, but I, I know I didn't resist. I know, I think I laughed. I'm pretty sure I laughed. It was a joke. And then went on my way. Later on, that friend came back to me and said, you know, the principal overheard or somebody overheard that conversation and we were, we were called out on that. And I remember the feeling it gave me. Now, fortunately, this was just a very small thing, but that's what I'm trying to point out. I want us to apply it to our situations today or the things that you face. But I realized right then that my companionship with him, my friendship with him, I'd allowed that pressure, that peer pressure, to influence me, and I did not change the course of that conversation. And it stung a bit. You could say it split my ears. It hurt a little bit to know that uh, 
this was on my reputation and I felt I needed to talk to my parents about it and I thought that my mother would be um, pretty concerned and she was but she said you know I'm glad it happened I'm glad this happened now and you learned this lesson this way than, than to continue to follow your friends like this until it's worse and it was a lesson I never forgot <clears throat> even though it's been many years now. <clears throat> I would like to look now, and I, I should just mention that, you know, my friend, uh, me and him, our, our paths have separated considerably, and I think it is for good reason. <clears throat> I would like to go now and look at a story in the Old Testament where we see these principles at work, the principles of the proverb, if we would go to Second Samuel chapter 13. Second <clears throat> Samuel 13, we find a friendship... I'm sorry, I'm in 1 Samuel. No wonder this isn't holding out. It is the friendship of Amnon and Jonadab. I'd like to read the first five verses of 2 Samuel 13. It says, And it came to pass after this that Absalom... Absalom the son of David had a fair sister whose name was Tamar. And Amnon, the son of David, loved her. And Amnon was so vexed that he fell sick for his sister Tamar, for she was a virgin. And Amnon thought it hard for him to do anything to her. But Amnon had a friend whose name was Jonadab, the son of Shimea, David's brother. And Jonadab was a very subtle man. And he said unto him, why art thou, being the king's son, lean from day to day? Wilt thou not tell me? And Amnon said unto him, I love Tamar, my brother Absalom's sister. And Jonadab said unto him, Lay thee down on thy bed, and make thyself sick. And when thy father cometh to see thee, say unto him, I pray thee, let my sister Tamar come, and give me meat, and dress the meat in my sight, that I may see it, and eat it at her hand. Amnon was King David's firstborn son. And as such, he was in line to be the next king. He was heir to the throne. <clears throat> but this young prince had a problem. He had a big problem in his life. And he was struggling with lust, and he was lusting after his half-sister. And if we could go back to the law... And we could see how that such a family family relationship was not to be. And Amnon had a conscience. It says he found it hard to do anything to her. He had a conscience that even though he was living in the sin of lust, he was held from acting upon it. 
at least for a while. And I believe the most significant phrase in this story is, in verse 3, but Amnon had a friend. Amnon had a cousin, Jonadab, that was a close friend. He was subtle, a crafty, sneaky kind of fellow. And, as close friends usually are, very perceptive of Amnon's state. He could tell that Amnon was struggling with something, that there was something going on in Amnon's life that he wasn't talking about. He could tell it. You know, I really, I, I would assume that this, um, what, Am, what Jonadab noticed here was something that others weren't noticing. Yeah, he was sick over what was happening, but it took a close friend to notice. And being that close friend, he did as only a close friend can do. Said, hey, Amnon, what's going on? Tell me, what's going on? And he got Amnon to share with him. Share that struggle. Share that sin in his life. Now this story could be totally different right here if Amnon would have had a good friend instead of a bad friend. A good friend, if Jonadab would have been a good friend, he would have said, Amnon, this is serious. You have a problem. Let's, let's work on this. You need some accountability. You need to repent of your thoughts towards your sister. Maybe we should go talk to your father about this. That's what should have happened. That's what a true friend would have done. Proverbs 27, 6 says, Faithful are the wounds of a friend. Amnon needed wounds. Amnon needed a friend that would not be afraid to tell him the truth and to face him with his sin. But instead, Jonadab gives Amnon some secretive, some very suggestive counsel. The Bible text, as it is given here, does not tell us specifically that he told Amnon to force Tamar. At least it doesn't say it. He just gave him some counsel. Make yourself sick. And when, and I suppose you could say that, well, that was as good as saying it. But what I'd like us to think about is that he just gave some, quote, friendly suggestions to, we could say, quote, help Amnon with this problem. Young people, we must beware of friends that have pleasant-sounding suggestions for life's problems. Okay, maybe that's a little overgeneral. Friends that make us feel okay in our sin. 
Friends that when we're hurting because of wrong choices and because of a problem in our life, and they help us smooth it over, and perhaps, well, if they do that, they will also help us go farther into our sin as what happened here. We know the story. Amnon takes the counsel of Jonadab, makes himself sick. When King David comes to see him, Amnon says, can my sister Tamar come and serve me? He ends up forcing Tamar to commit fornication with him and then puts her out in hatred. And then Absalom takes up his sister's defense. This is a very sad story. Very sad story. Amnon takes up Tamar's offense. And let's, let's finish, uh, let's uh, catch the last part of the story here. In verse 21, we'll start reading. But when David heard of these things, he was very wroth. And Absalom spake unto his brother Amnon, neither good nor bad. For Absalom hated Amnon because he had forced his sister Tamar. And it came to pass after two full years that Absalom had sheep shears and Baal Hazor, which is beside Ephraim. And Absalom invited all the king's sons. And Absalom came to the king and said, Behold now, thy servant hath sheep shears. Let the king, I beseech thee, and his servants go with thy servant. And the king said to Absalom, Nay, my son, let us not all now go, lest we be chargeable unto thee. And he pressed him, howbeit he would not go, but blessed him. Then said Absalom, If not, I pray thee, let my brother Amnon go with us. And the king said unto him, Why should he go with thee? But Absalom pressed him, that he let Amnon and all the king's son go, sons go with him. Now Absalom had commanded his servants, saying, Mark ye now when Amnon's heart is merry with wine, and when I say unto you, Smite Amnon, then kill him, fear not, have not I commanded you. Be courageous and be valiant. And the servants of Absalom did unto Amnon as Absalom had commanded. Then all the king's son arose, and every man gat him up on his mule and fled. And it came to pass, while they were in the way, that tidings came to David, saying, Absalom hath slain all the king's sons, and there is not one of them left. Then the king arose and tore his garments and lay on the earth, and all his servants stood by with their clothes rent. And Jonadab, the son of Shimea, David's brother, this is the same person, Jonadab, answered and said, Let not my lord suppose that they have slain all the young men, the king's sons, for Amnon only is dead, for by the appointment of Absalom this hath been determined from the day that he forced his sister Tamar. Now therefore... Let not my lord the king take the thing to this his heart, to think that all the king's sons are dead, for Amnon only is dead. But Absalom fled, and the young man that kept the watch lifted up his eyes and looked, and behold, there came much people by the way of the hillside behind him. And Jonadab said unto the king, Behold, the king's sons come, as thy servant said, so it is. And it came to pass, as soon as he had made an end of speaking, that, behold, the king's sons came and lifted up their voice and wept. And the king also and all his servants wept very sore. (coughs) 
a companion of fools shall be destroyed. Amnon is killed as a result of the influence of his friend. It was the result of his sin, okay? It was the result of Amnon's sin, but he was helped by his friend Jonadab. Now, it seems to me from reading this that Jonadab, Jonadab knew about the plot, Absalom's plot. You know, where was Jonadab when Amnon needed him most? He could have saved his life. <clears throat> you know, it seems that to me, I'm reading between the lines here, but no doubt being cousins, Jonadab was also a friend of Absalom. And Jonadab had gotten Absalom to share what he was struggling with, just like he had Amnon. And it was his hatred towards Amnon. And I don't know how long Jonadab knew about this plot to kill Amnon, but he didn't do anything about it. And when it happens, he tells the king exactly what went on, even though he hadn't been there. He knew more about what happened than the than the messengers that were coming from the scene. <clears throat> you know, many young men today are either dead, permanently injured, or sitting in jail while the friends that help them get there are running free. Just like this story. Jonadab is running free. Many people today are living in bondage to sin. And the friends that influence them are nowhere around. No longer in their life. No longer there to help them. Many may be right with God. But are enduring, I'm saying people that are right with God but are enduring deep scars of sin caused by listening to wrong friends. So I hope that instills in our minds the importance of having right friends, of having good friends, of having friends that face us with our sin. Now I would like to just switch gears a little bit. Maybe you're here this morning and you say, maybe you feel like you don't have any friends. You feel alone. Or maybe you know, it's been told you already, that you tend to have questionable friends. And you may wonder, how do you choose friends anyway? Uh, Friends isn't something I choose, it just kind of happens, right? Well, it is something that happens, but it is a choice as well. I would like to give us nine points that I think if we follow these instructions, you will have good friends. The first one we've already well covered, and that is recognize the importance of having good friends. And I would just add to it that This is so important 
It's a life or death issue for you. And it will be a blessing or a curse in your life. But we've already well covered that. So, secondly, the second thing you need to do to have good friends is be friendly. Be friendly. Proverbs 18.24 says, A man that hath friends must show himself friendly. Everybody wants to be accepted and loved. Well, you say, I might get the wrong friend. Well, be a good friend. Maybe that's what I should have called the point. Be a good friend. The kind of friend you are is the kind of friends you will have. I said you're becoming what your friends are, and we can switch that around and say your friends will be who you are. The kind of friend you are determines who is drawn to you. Thirdly, serve others. Don't be self-focused. Be aware of others. Be aware of others' needs. And be creative. You know, we can meet the needs of others in so many ways. And we can't meet everybody's needs, but, you know, we can do a little. We can look around. We can see needs around us. And rather than focusing on our own, uh, ourselves, we can focus on the needs and bless others. I read a quote recently that said there are two kinds of people in this world. Those who come into a room with the air of, here I am. And those who enter a room with an air of, oh, there you are. Now, what kind of a friend are you? I read that and I'm challenged myself. How is it? What do people sense coming out of my life? Fourthly, don't seek acceptance. Don't seek acceptance. Seeking acceptance is very dangerous. In fact, we can hardly overemphasize the danger of looking for acceptance. Why? Because it leaves us wide open to be abused and used by wrong friends. If we are searching, looking for love, looking for someone to fill this void... And we're searching for that and doing whatever it takes. Probably those that will come along and fill that are not true friends. We need to be thinking about others, not trying to fulfill something in our own lives. Another thing that seeking acceptance does that makes it very dangerous is it causes us to do foolish things to get it. To get approval, to get acceptance. And... I would just illustrate this by talking about teen driving for a little bit. Now, I hope if you are a 16 or 17-year-old driver here this morning, I hope you can forgive me for this. If your mother is more fearful than she was before when you are behind the wheel. But teen crash rates are nearly four times higher than those of adult drivers. That is a statistic. And AAA, I think it was AAA, they're at least the ones that released this uh, study. They did a study 
on this risk of teen driver risk in relation to age and number of passengers. They did this. They basically took data, crash data, from the years between 2007 and 2010. I would assume that even though times have changed greatly, that it's still very, very close. The numbers would be close. Greater, but the percentages would be the same. 2007 to 2010, they took this data, and they wanted to find out what the percentage of risk is and what the variables are based on the passengers, how many, and what the age of the passengers are in the vehicle. So, compared, these are the findings. Compared to finding with, excuse me, compared to driving with no passengers, a 16 or 17 year old driver's risk of death, that's not of an accident, risk of death per mile driven, increases 44% when carrying one passenger younger than 21 and no older passengers. 44% increase. It doubles when carrying two passengers younger than 21 and no older passengers. It quadruples when carrying three or more passengers younger than 21 and no older passengers. You get the picture? And fourthly, it decreases 62% when a passenger aged 35 or older is in the vehicle. Now, I had to tell our young folks at home when I shared this with them that I'm not sure why I'm their pastor because I'm not even old enough to make the chart to help them with their driving. <clears throat> now, <laughs> thank you. Give me that uh, affirmation there. I suppose, and I'm sure, that a big part of this statistics, these findings, is due to just simple distraction, right? The more distraction, even for adults, if we're, the more distraction we are, talking, that kind of thing, the more likely we are, we're, we're more prone to an accident. But with such extreme statistics, I, I'm guessing there's something else that plays into the factor here. And that is when young people are in a vehicle, and I know this because I was there, there can be a peer pressure, and we can begin to do foolish things to get the acceptance and the approval of our friends. Am I right? Am I right? Yes, I think I am. And so I would just throw that out there as something that shows the danger of looking for acceptance. The fifth thing is don't spread rumors about your friends. Don't spread rumors about your friends. <clears throat> if you see, hear something bad about a friend, go and ask them about it. Just in humility, go and say, hey, uh, I don't know, I've heard this. Oh, what can you tell me about this? Proverbs 16, verse 20 says, A froward man soweth strife. And a whisper separateth chief friends. Don't be that whisper that continues to spread a rumor. Go and find out what really is going on. 
your friends will love you for that. Six, be quick to forgive. Quick to forgive. Don't carry bitterness towards others. Bitterness is very significant when we talk about friendship because all bitterness does in friendships is attaches us to people that are also carrying bitterness. <clears throat> and it keeps you from having true friends. Proverbs 17.9 says, He that covereth a transgression seeketh love, but he that repeateth a matter separateth very friends. Covereth a transgression, transgression there, I believe, is talking about forgiveness. I don't, mean, I don't think it's meaning covering sin, but covering it in forgiveness. Covering sin is my next point, seven. Don't cover sin in your friend's life or your own. Forgive when it's time to forgive, when, when things are forgive for the wrongs towards us. But when there is, when there is sin, sins unto death, when there is problems in your friend's life or your own, be honest. Confess your faults. Receive correction from your friend. Talk to your friend when you see a problem in their life. And if your friend will not face the sin that's in his life, there is appropriate way to make that known. To expose it in a proper, proper manner in love. Just covering over sin in your own or the life of your friend is not being a good friend. It is not loving. Proverbs 21 I'm sorry, Proverbs 27:17 says, Aaron sharpeneth iron, so a man sharpeneth the countenance of his friend. I suppose you've noticed by now all the Proverbs that I've been quoting this morning. <clears throat> Number eight, don't be a click. Don't try to be someone's only friend. And this is maybe especially for girls. Ladies, not only though, men, men, boys, we struggle with this too. Don't try to be someone's only friend. Don't hold your friends captive to your friendship. Don't insist on being the only one they hold dear. Be happy for your friends when they have other friends. When they, when they have another friend that Perhaps it appears they're even closer than you are. Be happy for them if it's a good friend. If it's a friend that's not leading them in a wrong way, be, be happy for them. And, uh, and uh, do what you can to make that friendship flourish. And last of all, number nine... And maybe this should have been the point of the whole message. Make Jesus your first and best friend. Jesus said in John fifteen fourteen, Ye are my friends if ye do whatsoever I command you. You know, the bottom line it is true. The kind of friend we are. The kind of friend we are with Jesus. That's really the kind of friends that we're going to have. 
the kind of friends that are going to be attracted to us and that we're going to bond with. Once again, I'll just read Proverbs 13.20. He that walketh with wise men shall be wise, but a companion of fools shall be destroyed. If you can, let's bow for a word of prayer. Let's kneel, kneel for a word of prayer. Father in heaven, thank you this morning for friends. Thank you for brothers and sisters in Christ. Lord, I pray this morning that you would help us to to be good friends, to be spiritually and emotionally upbuilding to those around us in a positive manner, in a way that will draw more friends to us that will do the same to us, that draw us closer to Jesus because, Lord, we want you to be our closest friend, our dearest friend. Help us. Help each young person here today as they wade through the the uh, many uh, intricacies and difficulties of their time of life, decisions. Lord, help us to <clears throat> to not be seeking acceptance but rather focus on others, focus on the good of others. And Lord, that we would focus on you. Bless this service now. Bless my brothers and sisters here at Oasis. Pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen.